how do you feel about your struggle with nursing? Like maybe just to like take a pause and like really look at your friend and be like, are they fine? Are you taking their word for it despite what you are looking at? This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I am your host. I will be joined later on by my co-host, Marion. And today we are interviewing Ashley. This is um, our second episode for the new series called Am I the Only One? And today, Ashley will be sharing her journey as a new mom, um, and she struggled with connecting with her child. I'd like to um, preface this whole interview by saying that there might be some triggers for some of you. She does talk about her pregnancy and some struggles, big struggles that she had, um, along with just struggling with um, being able to connect with her baby. And the reason why I wanted to share her story when she reached out to me on um, Instagram is because I know other moms have reached out to me saying that they also struggled with this. And in case you are currently pregnant and are struggling to um, connect with the baby that you are carrying, or if you just had a baby and don't feel the movie-like connection that you expected I want you to know that you are not alone you are not the only one and that is why I have this series so that many parents and moms and dads could hear other people's experiences um, and and realize that they are not going through something that is out of the norm Um, however in some cases like in Ashley's case sometimes we do need to speak to somebody and sometimes you do need to seek help Um, so I hope that you do connect to this story as much as I did even if you didn't experience this I've interviewed now a few parents for the podcast and I'm learning a lot I'm learning about the fact that We need to learn how to listen a lot more and not always provide parents with a solution right away or or a friend or a family member. We don't have to move past a certain emotion. And I think this comes down to maybe how we were raised. And I think we do this for ourselves. We do this with our kids. We do this with friends and family members. Whenever somebody is experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, including ourselves and our kids, we tend to try to find a way to move past these uncomfortable emotions. And, um, you know, sometimes some people might say, you know, I need to go grab a drink because I've had a hard day, you know, and we'll call a friend to to do that. There might be a social aspect to it as well, um, but we might, you know, gravitate towards food to comfort uh, an uncomfortable emotion. We might help a child who's struggling with disappointment or frustration or sadness by we you know we might um, try to change their thoughts and try to help them to move past this emotion very quickly when in the end what we really need to learn and what we really need to become comfortable with is sitting with that uncomfortable emotion and trying to work through it um, and that's not easy it comes with a lot of work um, but I'm I'm learning that you know through my conversations with these par- these moms so far that and there will be dads coming but the conversations with moms that I've had so far it seems that 
you know, when somebody is going through something very difficult, a friend of ours is, you know, like we heard in the last episode of Am I the Only One, a, a mom experiences a very difficult pregnancy or a very difficult delivery or trauma. Um, and in this case, not connecting with their child or having a really hard pregnancy, we tend to say it'll be fine. We we, we want to give them the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and I think it comes from a good place, obviously. We we want to to help them in any way possible. But I'm learning that it might be okay to just sit there and, and sit with them um, through this emotion and not have a solution and not have a light at the end of the tunnel yet and just be in that moment with them. Um, also, I'm learning that, you know, a lot of us struggle with mental health and we tend to say, I'm okay <laughs> when somebody asks us, you know, how we're doing. And especially with new parents, new moms, new dads, um, odds are they're struggling and if they say that everything's okay um, it might be beneficial to them to to ask it again and to say like are you sure like I I struggled with you know ABC right after giving birth or during my pregnancy and it's okay if you are too it's, it's okay not to be okay um, so that really has been my own um, personal take-home messages from these conversations before we move on to the interview, I would like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute at the Neuro here in Montreal for supporting the Pecurious Non podcast. The Neuro is the first health sciences institution in the world to commit to open science, an approach to research that ensures scientific knowledge is shared widely and transparently, which is our goal here at the Curious Neuron Podcast, so thank you for that. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a review and a rating on the iTunes app for this podcast. I hope that you are enjoying it, and I'd love to hear from you. You can also email me at info at and you can follow Curious Neuron on Instagram at Curious underscore Neuron, or... If you want to follow specifically the podcast, you not to miss an episode, you could follow at Curious Neuron Podcast on Instagram. As you might know, the first Monday of every month is a family meeting here at Curious Neuron. And what that is, is a free webinar slash parenting support group. We do this on Zoom and it is all free. You could join this webinar by visiting CuriousNeuron.com and clicking on free resources. And right under free resources, you'll see join a family meeting. You could grab the Zoom link there by entering your email. And I will see you next Monday. Next Monday is the first Monday of November. I will be covering emotion regulation skills and discussing what this looks like in children as well as us parents. <laughs> And what we can do as parents to help our children develop emotional regulation skills. This being the second episode of uh, the new series this season, Am I the Only One? I would love to hear back from you. You can DM me on Instagram or email me at info and let me know if these types of episodes are um, important to you and if you're enjoying them. All right, let's move on to today's episode. I will see you on the other side. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Ashley. Welcome back to the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy and I am here today with my co-host Marion. Hi Marion. Hi. <laughs> and we are chatting with Ashley today. This is our second episode of Am I the Only One series. Um, and I'm excited um, to continue the series on from Instagram because it's been doing really well. And I think that we need to share our stories so that people feel seen. So Ashley, thank you for joining me today and for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
We have lots of good questions that came in from our community on Instagram, and we're going to get into them a little later. But how about we start um, by hearing your story, um, and, and then we'll get into the details of it. Sure. Um, so I remember you posted, am I the only one who didn't feel connected with my baby? And I was like, I certainly didn't feel connected with my baby. So I reached out to you. But um, my story, I think, starts in pregnancy. So I, my husband and I had been trying to conceive for nine months. We really wanted this baby. Um, we were very excited when we found out we were pregnant. Um, but immediately I had really severe hyperemesis. Um, and Hyper, so what, sorry, hyperemesis is basically mm -hmm. really, really severe, like medically diagnosed morning sickness. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So I right away, like, um, I had thrown up twice before I even found out I was pregnant. And then I continued to throw up for the entire 40 weeks. Like, um, oh, I, by the end of my pregnancy, I'd lost 35 pounds. Um, and I was throwing up on average five times a day. Okay. I was maybe consuming f three to 500 calories a day. Like it was, it was bad. Mm. Um, I ended up in the hospital with a torn esophagus from throwing up so much. Sorry, this is oh trigger gosh. warning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. I had morning sickness. I was nauseous most of the day, but I, I would never, I would vomit once in a while, but not often. And I can't even imagine like the, the energy it takes from you, right? That too. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I just like immediately and the whole time felt horrible. Like I had no energy. I didn't feel like myself. I felt sick. Um, and I was trying really hard to be happy, but I was, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't glowing. I wasn't. Um, and those were like cold sweats, not glow. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that was really hard. And I, um, everybody was really like, oh my gosh, are you so excited? And I would always just say like, well, I don't know. It's hard to be excited when I feel this sick. Mm. Um, but I, and I kept thinking, well, first of all, as soon as I was really sick, everybody kept telling me it would end after the first trimester when typical morning sickness lightens up. Mm. Um, so I kept kind of waiting to feel excited about my pregnancy. Like I kept thinking like once the nausea lifts, then I'll be excited mm. and I'll feel connected to the baby. Or once I feel him kick, I'll feel connected to the baby. Or once I see the ultrasound, I'll feel, you know, all of that. Thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it never really came. And I was having, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but I really was like in complete denial about even being pregnant because I felt zero connection to the baby. Um, so I would... I was like constantly like Jesse, my husband, Jesse, sorry, <laughs> Jesse, what if we go to the ultrasound and there's no baby in there? Like, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to tell me that I have like a stomach tumor that's causing me to vomit all the time. Like this, this isn't a baby. This isn't how a baby, like I just couldn't even process that I was pregnant and I kept making my husband buy me pregnancy tests. <laughs> um, I took, I took like six, after my first positive pregnancy test mm. um, and they all obviously were positive um, and I even took one after my first ultrasound where I saw the baby and I still mm. needed to go home and take a pregnancy test mm. because I just couldn't it just like wasn't penetrating my brain that like that was a baby in there I just mm. couldn't 
connect with it at all. Um, Had anybody in your circle ever experienced something something like this, or were you the first to have it this severe in terms of the... Yeah, I didn't. I mean, again, I didn't really... I wasn't telling anyone. I kept telling Jesse, my husband, because obviously he was the one, like, helping me buy pregnancy tests and helping me through all of this. And he... I don't know if... I don't know if he knew what to think or what, you know, but he just kept reassuring me. He's like, it's fine. You're doing great. Um, but I wasn't really telling anyone else. I was just kind of smiling and nodding when they would say, oh, you must be so excited. I would just like say what I was supposed to say, which is like, yeah, we're so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if anyone had gone through it. Like I really wasn't sharing that part with anyone but my husband. Looking back, would it have made it? Would it have made a difference for you as you were experiencing this to have mentioned it to somebody? Probably, yeah, I should have for sure. And it's, I did feel like the times that I shared, like I would start to broach, um, you know, like it's so hard to be sick all the time or something like that, um, and people would say like really just dis- not dismissive but really like don't worry it goes away at 12 weeks or don't worry it goes away at 14 mm-hmm. weeks or um yeah I had a really hard too but it's such a blessing it's worth it and so um just really felt like I wasn't allowed to complain or allowed right. to share my story mm-hmm. yeah so oh mm-hmm. I'm gonna cry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay I, I can't even imagine going through that and this is part of the reason why I want you to share your experience and I want other parents and moms to share their experiences because somebody right now is going through exactly what you yeah. went through and that's why I asked in retrospect because perhaps they're not sharing their experience or on the other end perhaps there's somebody who spoke to someone and they told them like I'm really sick and I'm not enjoying this and they said, don't worry. You know, I think we I think that's our automatic response to people yeah. when they're not well or when they're unhappy. And and it comes back to how we were raised too, right? Like just like it'll pass, move on, just get to the happiness part. And we can't always do that. And I think we have to learn as a society and, and as a community of parents to say it's okay to sit with that emotion. It's okay. You know, like we don't have to look for the the light at the end of the tunnel. We can be and sit in this moment right now. And yeah. I think it would help. Yeah. Yeah. How about your doctor? Had you been seeing a doctor mm. regularly or were they kind of, uh, <laughs> so, I got... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I mean, that was my first and only pregnancy thus far. So I, I don't know what it's typical. Um, but I got passed from doctor to doctor. I didn't see my first, like I didn't see my OB that ended up being my OB that delivered um, until I was like 16 or 20 weeks already pregnant. Oh, wow. Um, I forget how far along it was, but my family doctor, my family GP was like, oh, you can see me for a little bit and then I'll refer you to a clinic of like rotating um, OBs. And then I, when I got referred to them, I was like 12, I don't know, around there. Um, and then when they, they saw me once and they were like, okay, well, technically you're a high risk pregnancy because of your BMI. So we can't take you at this clinic. So then we're going to refer you to this other clinic. And so by the, I, I, I feel like for the first half of my pregnancy, I really wasn't seeing a regular doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even, I mean, 
even then, like my hyperemesis, it took a long time for that to get diagnosed because nobody was seeing me twice to see the weight dropping. Got it. Um, I wonder that, yeah, I wonder if that's common in some areas because here, I know here in, in Montreal, you have your doctor and then that's the one you stick to for your entire pregnancy. But I wonder if it's not like that everywhere because yeah. you experienced that. Yeah. yeah, like in Alberta, I think usually your GP, if you, you know, once you tell your GP that you're pregnant, they will refer you to like um, a clinic of OBs who work mm -hmm. with a hospital. So you pick which hospital you want to deliver out of, and then they refer you to a clinic of OBs that work with that hospital. Um, and so that was that first referral. And then that second referral was because I was high risk or whatever the, mm -hmm. the normal clinic wouldn't take me. So I don't know. I don't know what's typical experience. Um, certainly now I would just say like, well, refer me directly to the person that, you know, if I was pregnant again. So yeah, I don't know if that's a common experience. It certainly wasn't positive because it kind of felt like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're being passed around from doctor to doctor. So there isn't yeah. any consistency either, right? With them yeah. monitoring you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, now at this point, oh yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say, I think it depends too. I think here in Quebec, you you can see someone right away or you could not like it, it at some point it's mm -hmm. up to the individual to to seek um the care that they want and they need mm -hmm. and some people are more uh, hesitant to find someone right away that they might say like oh, i'll just wait for my 12th week or 13th week mm -hmm. appointment and that can be a really long time of having morning sickness if you're, yeah. if you're at home for you know you find out you're pregnant at four or five weeks and then you've got like another four or five six weeks of morning sickness and you don't know what's normal and you're sick all the time it could be really mm -hmm. difficult yeah Oh. So now everybody was telling you that it was going to go away or dissipate at some point. And yeah. now you're going into the second, even third trimester, still being very sick. Yeah, second or third trimester. So then it was like, it. it's so weird because like looking back, I don't even think I was like processing how hard it was. I just was like, I guess every, I guess pregnancy is hard. Everybody tells you like pregnancy is hard. You're going to be tired. Pregnancy is hard. You're going to have morning sickness. Um, so I kind of just like stopped even trying to grapple with it. I was like, this is my lot. I've got to get through it. Um, and I remember the first time I was like, oh, maybe I'm not <laughs> experiencing this pregnancy the way that other moms experience this pregnancy is because I was carrying my son really high. And he kept, he was like constantly pushing up in my ribs and I was just constantly like literally shoving him down, <laughs> like get out. Yeah. And I, um, <laughs> and, uh, which is brutal, but <laughs> my, I was at my baby shower and I was shoving my baby, like push, push, push. And my cousin who has four kids was like, why are you pushing him so hard? Like, that's your little baby. Don't push so hard. And I was like, oh, I. I don't know. Like, I just never even thought of it as being like a delicate someone I'm supposed to be taking care of. I don't want to sound harsh. Like I knew I was taking care of my body to take care of this baby, but I wasn't thinking of it. My son is like, you know, like, oh, I should be gentle with him in the womb and I shouldn't push so hard. Like I literally was like, yeah, if he's in your ribs, yeah. <laughs> I guess the reaction is like, yeah, get out of that and get out of there. Yeah. 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 So I, that was the first time that I was like, am I not like, 
maternal enough? Like, am I not feeling the right feelings? Um, and then same with like the kicking, everyone was like, isn't it so cool when they kick? And I was like, no, it's just really uncomfortable. Like mm. it's just kicking me and I'm uncomfortable and I'm tired of being uncomfortable. I don't find that magical. I find it like, this is just adding to my discomfort and my pain. And I'm not like, wow, he's in there. I'm like, get, stop it. Stop hurting me was really yeah. the predominant feeling. Yeah, I, th I think understandably, <laughs> being sick for so long, yeah. at that point, like, even I, I was lucky enough that it stopped at 12 weeks, you know, and it's like, I can't even imagine it being worse and long. And now the kicking is just like an added like you're kicking yeah. my ribs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or get out of there. You're like, stop doing that. Yeah, it's just, you know, and, and I'm so I'm positive that there are other people that have experienced this. Um, and, and have a similar journey as yours. Um, and then when you were closer to delivery or around the time of delivery had that feeling of like something is off, like I'm not feeling as connected or that mother feeling hasn't come up yet. Was that amplifying or just stable throughout the rest of the pregnancy? Um, so it, it was very like ebb and flow. Like there'd be times where I'd be like, I don't know, this isn't a baby. Like, I don't know what's happening. And then there'd be like times where I'd be more like, I want to say at peace with it. I'd be like, yep, we're having a baby. This will be a baby soon. I didn't feel the connection, but I like knew there was like more of a hopefulness about it. Like once he's born, then I'll be able to like hold him and love him and I'll stop feeling sick and it'll be good. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of like, like acceptance and acknowledgement were like the best that I got during my pregnancy. Um, and the closer I got to the end, I think the more I got there where I was like, I'm almost there light at the end of the tunnel kind of situation. Um, and especially my doctor um, put me on early leave so that I could rest, which was nice because I was working the whole time, which was crazy. Um, so she put me on leave around, I forget, it was like 33 or 34 weeks. Um, and she did offer me an early induction, but I um, was like, well, I've been puking for 37 weeks. What's three more? Yeah. Um, so I, I went full term and then I did get inducted, inducted, induced um, at 40 weeks plus five mm. days or wow. something. Um, and then around too. He didn't want to, <laughs> he was, he was comfortable. Just your <laughs> uncomfortableness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I kept thinking like, well, if he's not born by 40 and I also just kept thinking another thing that was happening kind of constantly throughout my pregnancy was, um, I was like confident even when I was like, okay, I'm pregnant and I'm having a baby. My immediate next thought was that like the delivery was not going to go well. I was going to need, uh, a c-section i was something bad was going to happen some medical emergency type of situation was going to happen um i just was like confident because nothing felt like it had been going well until then that like it would continue to just be like downhill like i just couldn't fathom that that would be easy or a positive experience um and so i was kind of just like bracing myself for like he's gonna come I'm going to be in surgery and then I'm going to be in recovery and like that will be so hard. And um, not that, you know, a C-section would be the worst possible outcome, 
at all. <laughs> there are many worse outcomes. Um, I just was certain that it was going to be whatever the harder of any two options was going to be. Mm. Um, and so when I did get induced, um, I actually had a like fast, uh, really, not really fast. It wasn't like an hour, but I was in active labor for three hours. Um, and I only pushed four times. Um, <laughs> I wow. went, I went, yeah, I went from, I think they said three centimeters to nine centimeters in one hour. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, now he wanted out. <laughs> now he wanted out. <laughs> he was evicted and he was like, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, I was, um, it was really quick. And then uh, they, you know, as they do, you deliver your baby and they put him on your chest um, and they immediately start trying to like have you hold him and have him latch. Um, and everybody, I think I was expecting this, like, oh, that's my baby. You know, the TV movie moment where you cry, you're so happy. Oh, he's so beautiful. Um, and my first words when they plopped him on my chest were, what the F? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the real word, not that I'm just saying that for your podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And the doctor and, and the nurse were all like, what? And I was like, what is like this? I just like, I don't know, he didn't look the way I thought he'd look. I didn't feel the way I thought I'd feel. Mm. Um, I just was really like in shock, probably from how quickly that had happened. Okay, um, yeah. I just really was like, not, I, I kind of had built up like get through the pregnancy, get through the pregnancy. Once you have your baby, you feel like he's your baby. And so I had built up, built up, built up, and then they handed him to me and I didn't feel any of that. I felt like this is a gross, slimy alien. Why is it on my chest? Yeah. <laughs> they are gross, slimy aliens. When they them out. <laughs> that should be the, the, the movies, right? <laughs> they yeah. 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 And so I was, I was like, what? And, um, Every, you know, my husband's crying and my nurse is immediately trying to warm us up and get him to latch. And um, I just kind of, I remember being like looking around kind of in a haze and people are taking pictures and, um, and I was like, kind of was smiling, like, because I knew I should for the pictures. Um, and then I think one of the very next, I don't know if it was immediately the next thing is kind of a haze, but very shortly after I just was like, can I eat now? <laughs> like, I just was hungry. I didn't, um, yeah, like I wasn't, I still wasn't feeling that like, oh, wow, my baby. Um, and that I'm curious, sorry, because yeah. I'm curious if any of the nurses or doctors followed up with like your reaction to that, right? Like, no, I, I feel, and, and I'm, I want to just like take a moment to, to, to bring that up because they're there they see our reactions and you know I've spoken to other people who had that feeling where it's like clearly the doctors or the nurses see that there's a disconnect or there's a different reaction and but nothing is done about it it's like let's move on and yes we need to feed the baby but no connection or no moment taken to say like would you like to speak to somebody or are yeah. you okay you know like no, nothing at all yeah nothing mm. yeah and oh, anyway they should so, yeah they should have yeah they yeah. probably should have yeah um 
but yeah, so none of that. Um, and then I was sent to recovery. Um, mm -hmm. and my husband was with me, which was great. He held the baby. We did skin to skin. The nurses are coming in, trying to help me nurse and checking on me. Um, physically, and, sorry, physically, right. To make sure yes. that everything physically. is okay. But yeah. 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 Nobody was really, I don't really remember. I mean, I don't really remember much of that time. It went so mm -hmm. fast. Um, everything was such a blur. I do remember that they were, um, trying to get me to be more successful at nursing mm -hmm. and I was struggling. Um, he was latching, but he wasn't getting much milk. Um, and they wanted me to stay for another day and I just wanted to go home. I remember being really upset and like, just let me go home. Like, can't I follow up with a lactation person after like, can't I just go home? Um, and so I stayed until the middle of the second day and then they let me leave. Um, and yeah, still really never felt like I needed, like I, like I didn't feel this like, oh, my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in my message to you, I said, I just faked it till I made it <laughs> like, I, yeah, like I really just felt like logically my brain knew like that's your baby and you have to keep it safe so I just did like I did all the things I was supposed to do I took care of it the way that I knew I should I um you know strapped it in and tried to feed it and all the things so I was just like going through the motions um and just that I just was going through the motions for like a long time had you ever expressed any of these feelings or or um like the way you were feeling about all this with either your husband or a family member or a friend i think um no the answer is no, no. Mm. um i mean i was expressing to my husband that i was having a hard time but the difficulty nursing persisted i've always struggled with nursing um uh, we did end up being referred to a lactation physician um, and also a lactation occupational therapist who helped us with positioning. And I was on prescriptions and supplements and um, I was doing that whole like nurse pump, the whole like it's just constant. Um, and I was I was telling people like this is really hard. I'm having a really hard time. It's really hard. Um, and I kind of the same as when I was in pregnancy, people were like, yeah, nursing is hard. Like, you know, nobody really like, it felt like nobody was really hearing me or like engaging with that. And so I just kind of was like, okay, like, it's my thing. I have to, um, I don't want to perpetuate these things, but the thing I had internalized was like, good moms try to nurse. Like mm -hmm. I have to do this. So yeah. I tried and I just kept trying. I was taking something like 12 to 15 pills a day, trying to produce enough milk. Um, I was pumping for 45 minutes after every time that I nursed. Um, so with him nursing and then pumping and newborns eat like every two hours, I was like, had something attached to my boob for like an hour and 15 minutes of every two hours. Um, <laughs> and, it, and they tell us to rest and shower. Yeah, like oh, nap when he naps. Oh, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was just really hard. And I, 
I mean, I was very lucky. I had a excellent, still do have an excellent group of moms that we became a pretty tight group of people from our prenatal classes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I have a friend who's pregnant now and that same prenatal class is only offered virtually. And I think that's like such a loss because of COVID, but mm-hmm. we really did become a really tight group. But I think in those first weeks, it was like, half blessing, half curse, because while you do have these supports and these women are going through exactly what you're going through, you also have that like constant comparison of like, they're, they're complaining about overproducing milk. Like that just doesn't seem fair. And I would get really like hung up on like how easy it was for them. Now I know, like once you're out of it, you can look back and be like, we were all having the hardest time of our lives. (laughs) But, um, but certainly in that moment, it was like so hard to watch these other women like really successfully nursing and not needing to pump and not needing to supplement with formula and not need, you know, um, or someone tells really... you that, that your their baby is sleeping through the night magically. And, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. all these things and, and then you kind of like, that's what you, you hold on to. And yeah. And it just is really hard to shake. I, I really, I feel that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so hard. And even still, like, our kids are all two years out, we're all still really good friends. But, you know, there's that one kid speaking in full sentences. And it's like, why isn't my kid speaking in full sentences? It's just, it's, I mean, I think it's like, in mothers, I don't know if it's like societally, or like, genetically, what's going on, but we just like need that success. Like, if they're not reaching those pinnacle things, then like, we are somehow dropping the ball as mothers. And so we look around for those benchmarks, but um, that's so detrimental. It's like, your kid is your kid is great. You're great. Everybody's great. Um, but yeah, back to the thing. So I was, yeah, right after birth, I was telling people I was having a hard time with the nursing. Um, and I think people were like, okay, <laughs> like, here's how to help produce milk. Uh, nobody was really like talking to me about my mental health. Um, probably the closest I had to that was the lactation physician. So she was a GP with a lactation specialization. Um, and she was the only one kind of talking to me about how I felt like whenever she would be like, do you want to try a new supplement? Um, she would say, you know, like, do you want to, you don't have to, you can quit anytime. Like if you don't want to, let's not, um, And she was kind of the only one like giving me permission to be like upset about it or like mourn the easy um, nursing journey that I was not having, Um, but still not really like checking in on my mental health beyond the nursing journey, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's again, everything's so much easier, like outside of the fog. But like I look back now and I'm like milk production issues milk production is tied to that like positive hormone that you get when you look at your baby lovingly and i was not having that so like of course yeah. um nobody was... no one what? checked like i was gonna ask that because that's what as a biologist what you think of <laughs> but that's what happens when you do make that connection then the hormones start to flow you have prolactin and that's what helps with milk letdown but if for whatever reason you you know you you'd made this connection with the baby that the baby was hurting me and it was hard to make, um, you know, that loving, nurturing connection right away. So your hormones just never change. And then your body's not going to make milk. Had anyone checked hormone levels or prolactin or any, no, 
no. <laughs> or even even told you, like, gone through the biology and, and explained some of those things that are going on. Because sometimes when you when you understand what should be happening, then like yeah. you said, you can maybe fake it until you make it like, yeah, this is my baby and, and try and get over it or um, yeah, just make yeah. that disconnect. <laughs> yeah, like I knew I knew like at a high level, the biology. And so, you know, all the there's some really great resources for people with struggling to lactate. And so I was reading them all because it felt like the thing I was supposed to do. Um, and a lot of the tips are like, be skin to skin, stare into your baby's eyes, like the more you feel connected to your baby, the more that will help. And I just kind of um, felt like, like, what, what more are you like, I just felt more like, why? Like, what more am I supposed to do? I nurse for this, you know, half an hour, I pump for 45 minutes. I'm already so tired. Like, I, what do you want from me? I hold this baby all day, every day. And I don't even think it like penetrated my brain or my heart that like, I, sh I should be enjoying staring into his eyes. That wasn't like homework, you know, like, yeah, got it. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's so hard looking back now and being like, what? I was struggling so much and I don't even really know when it switched or when it went from faking it to being more real. Um, certainly I feel so, I love him so much. I'm so connected to him now. Like, I just love him. He's the, he's the best, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. I know that it helped a lot when we did give up on nursing and switch to full formula um, for two reasons. One, all of that pressure really lifted off of me and I could quit all those supplements and drugs. Um, and then also because night feedings were formula, my husband and I could switch, we could alternate, I wasn't solely responsible for feeding anymore. So I was sleeping way better than I had been. Um, I know that that helped a lot. And so um, at which point did you switch to um, formula? Yeah, I, so I fully stopped nursing and pumping at seven months. Wow, that's still that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was doing supplemented nursing. So I would nurse as much as I could. And then I always had to top up with formula. I never ended up producing enough milk for to be his sole source of food. Um, but it it did get it did get to a point where it was like 75% my milk, and then very light top ups. Um, and so that's why I kept persisting because I kept feeling like I'm almost there. Like I, I, I'm doing so good. I can just like keep same with my pregnancy, I guess. I feel like a broken record where it's like, you're almost there. Just get through it. Just get through it. Just get through it. It'll be easy once you get through it. And then finally um, it was my husband who was like, like, I don't think you're, this doesn't feel like it's good for you. Um, and so he kind of sat me down and was like, you're not, you're not having a good time. Our son isn't having a good time. Like this is hard on our family. This is hard on your body. Why don't you just give yourself permission? And uh, he, yeah, yeah. Just, just stop. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so that I took a few weeks to kind of like make peace with it. Um, still really struggled with like the guilt of like giving up. Um, uh, but once I, once we were fully off of breast milk, um, and he was fully on formula, it like immediately, I was like, oh, that was the right choice. Like 
like the guilt disappeared in the face of like all of the relief and the ease and (laughs) did you feel like the sense of like okay like I'm I'm in control now this is like I'm I'm okay (laughs) yeah like it just and I think also like the world didn't end like like you know, <laughs> I don't want to minimize like the the breast milk is so beneficial to children like that is so important but then at the end of the day like having a present parent is beneficial to a baby so mm-hmm. um yeah like to any listeners struggling don't you are not alone there are so many struggling moms with nursing that's mm-hmm. like such a hard thing and you it's so hard to like let go of that because you really are surrounded by the messaging that breast milk is best and it is but like mom is best love is best safety is best yeah i um i can share that i had a very similar in terms of breastfeeding i had very little luck in the beginning it was so hard it was like in constant pain and my daughter this was for my first and she's now 12 and i feel like back then i wasn't connected to instagram i wasn't on facebook i was like so i didn't even have that societal pressure. I just had from the nurses at the hospital and my GP and like my, my mother-in-law maybe (laughs) we were like, yeah, you have to breastfeed. And so I was like, yeah. And I tried and I tried and and it just like, maybe two weeks I, I tried and it was like, this is not working. The baby started, or my daughter started losing weight. I was like, okay. So it was like not a huge issue to just start uh, pumping and then doing formula. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I really didn't have that extra pressure from, from all these external <laughs> social media things. And, but I do remember going to the, to the pharmacy, to the drugstore and buying uh formula. And I, it was like the worst feeling in the whole world. I really felt like a failure. I felt like, oh my, I felt like I was buying drugs. I was like, people are judging me. I had this little bottle of like powdered formula. I put it on the thing. I had bought other things so people wouldn't even see it. I'm like looking back, I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> How could I? Yeah be so worried about it. I was still pumping too. So I, I did formula and my husband and I both, um, fed our daughter and it was such a great bonding experience for my husband. And I still had the, the breast milk once in a while, at least once a day. And I did that for four months, not even that four months, she went for full formula and I can say she's, she's thriving now, (laughs) you know, for whatever, (laughs) who knows like what would have been different if I had breastfed the whole time but she I, you know you have to end up doing what's best for for you and your your mental health and and yeah I know but yeah. I know it's so hard yeah you know, this is this is the kind of thing that I wish we would talk more about in terms of the mental health part because if only somebody would have been there to guide you right and and all the other moms right now who are experiencing something similar and nobody's asking them like, are you okay? Or just letting them know that they're not the only one experiencing this. Just knowing that like, mm-hmm. okay, like I'm not failing because other people are going through this and let's, why don't we help moms through like using self-compassion, right? Like just understanding yeah. like I'm going through this right now, I'm doing my best and that's okay. You know, why, where's that program? <laughs> Where is that help in our health system? You know, and, and, yeah. It's the same. Doesn't matter if it's Canada or the states or anywhere else. I've received so many messages from moms who have experienced the same thing. Um, yeah. But our mental health matters. If we are not okay, we cannot take care of our child. Yes. That's it. Period. Yeah. 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 And I, I think Ashley, you said it so well. Like you gave yourself permission, and you gave yourself yeah. time 
sounds like, you know, it wasn't over an overnight decision. You gave your time to, to think about it and give yourself the permission to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I've done seven months of this, which is commendable. Like a really long time. A lot of people only breastfeed for, <laughs> for seven months, but to be like pumping is just, I mean, it's horrible. A, it's a sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Then, so like, you mentioned, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I know. So you were just, you mentioned the, um, not sure where that moment happened, where it switched from, you know, not feeling the connection to feeling it. I am assuming and that, that kind of like being given permission to let go and to do it your way kind of, you know, had a role in that. Um, somebody had asked me, how does it feel to not be connected? And, you know, is feeling a connection with your baby the same as feeling a bond? Um, I know you've been ex you've been been describing your experience, so I think we've answered that a bit. But would you say there's a difference between a connection and a bond with your child? Yeah, I mean, I don't know when that person's asking that question. I don't know mm. exactly how they feel, but I do know that I felt, you know, like that fake it till you make it thing. I said, like, I knew in my head, I, this is my baby, and I'm supposed to take care of it. I did feel like some of that, like protective baby mama like um like I like I was pretty ferocious I think even just like how long I persisted with the nursing like I I yeah. wanted to do what was best for him like I mm -hmm. like I had a compelling drive I knew that you know I cared for him um and I wanted what was best for him and um I'm very, very lucky to never have felt like those negative feelings or like a fear of hurting him or myself. Um, so lucky to have never felt those things. But I, beyond that, like sense of protection and maybe not ownership, but like belonging, like this baby belongs to me and I, I love him and I protect him. Um, I didn't feel like the, like, like oh we're so he's my little baby you know like so it, there is there a distinction between okay. like the protective love connected feeling I had versus like the lovey dovey snuggly warm feeling that I felt like I was supposed to have or that I I know that other moms do have or that I have now yeah hmm. got it um you spoke a little bit you well, you spoke about your your pregnancy and and your um delivery i'm wondering if looking back as well because somebody asked if you think like does a pregnancy or did it play a role in after like the afterbirth right if somebody would have helped you throughout the pregnancy do you think it would have been different once you had given birth like maybe you would have had some tools or your mental health would have been like taken care of before yeah, I think, I think even just the benefit of like, having named it, like just, ha I think just even being able to like have someone external validate you're not okay, and that's okay, um, would have opened the door for me, like sometimes just naming a thing, like, once you go like, hey, what you're describing sounds like depression then you can kind of like not use it but like rely on that and be like oh I'm this is what I'm feeling and earlier that was called depression and like maybe I should tell someone that I'm feeling those feelings mm -hmm. um 
And it took, nobody used the word PPD in relation Mm -hmm. to me until like a year and a half after he was born. Um, And so, but once I had that, I was, it like, I looked back and was like, holy bad word. (laughs) (laughs) Bleep. (laughs) It's like someone gave me a different set of glasses and I could look back and see clearly suddenly like all that I had been through. Um, and I never would have used that word about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do think, you know, like the earlier, even in pregnancy, if I had gotten that help or, um, somebody had been like, do you know what? You sound like you're having a really hard time. I'm going to keep checking on you. Just would have given me that like external validation that like, maybe this isn't typical, or even if it is typical, it's okay to need help with it and to talk about it. Um, because really the answer that I kept getting was like, yep, pregnancy is hard. Yep. Newborns are hard. Yep. Nursing is hard. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to just grin and bear it. Like, I guess you just mm-hmm. puff through this part. Um, that's the opposite of that permission right now. It's like, yeah. well, this is how it is. So, you know, get, right. you're, you're going to get through it, but that's what it is. Yeah. 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 I'm, um, I had experienced something during my pregnancy, my second one where I was going through a burnout and I remember my my OB, I was sitting at the desk and all the examinations were done and he would usually end it by saying, okay, do you have any other questions? And I would say, nope, all the time. <laughs> even if I had questions, nope, I'm good, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> and I would get up, grab my papers, not even sure of what's going on or what he said and, and kind of like, you know, just getting out of there, I don't know. And then I remember near the end of my second pregnancy, he's like, everything good? Yeah, thank you. And then I just started sobbing hysterically. But I said, no, thank you. I was ready to get up. And I don't know what happened to my brain at that moment. But it had been a couple weeks of crying every single day, multiple times a day. Um, even just like taking time in between like grocery shopping to like sit in the car and cry, yeah. not even knowing how to control it. And thinking back now, it was ridiculous that I, I hadn't told my husband right away because I was like, this is thinking I'm ridiculous. Like, this will pass. Like, what's going on? Like okay i'm just tired it's just hormones but i think we need to put a lot of attention during pregnancy and and asking those questions because luckily when i told my doctor he's like you know you might be going through um um, depression during your 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 pregnancy and that happens but it's also um, opening up the doors to postpartum depression so you need to take care of that now luckily in my case um i was um able to i stopped work completely as of that moment marion won't be surprised i was overworked <laughs> i was i that's when i learned it was burnout but i set an appointment with a psychiatrist as well for right after my delivery to monitor if i was having but if i wouldn't have broken down i had no intention zero intention of yeah. telling him i was going to keep that to myself because i was waiting for it to pass yeah. Right. And and I think we, we often do that where we wait for the like during during pregnancy. Right. You were waiting for the nausea and the vomiting to pass. And then that feeling of like, um, I don't know, I'm not feeling connected. We're waiting for it to pass. Why yeah. do we do that? <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. And and so I hope somebody who's listening, who's waiting for it to pass, just thinks twice, and maybe opens up to somebody or, or they might not say the right thing. Right. Because that was your experience. They might not know what to say or they might tell you it'll pass. But I'm wondering what advice would you have for the person who hears somebody open up to them? What should we be saying to those people? I, I think, don't even know if there's a right answer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if there's a right answer, but I think mm-hmm. that 
the better answer is always to just like, just listen. And I just wish that someone had been like, like maybe asked me twice, like, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. Are you fine? Like, tell me, tell, cause you're, it looks like you're really struggling with nursing. Like, how do you feel about your struggle with nursing? Like maybe just to mm-hmm. like, take a pause and like really look at your friend and be like, are they fine? Are you taking their word for it? Despite what you are looking at, you know, as their experience and on their face. And um, cause yeah, like it took, you know, six and a half months and my husband who lives with me to be like, you're not fine. <laughs> and I'm certain that it was evident before then. Like, I don't know, unless I deserve an Oscar. I doubt. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but you're right. I think that second time of asking or saying like, are you sure? Like, yeah. maybe that's when we break down. Right? <laughs> that's when it all comes out because we're not used to people asking twice or saying, are you are you positive that you're okay? Like, and yeah. that's when we just like crumble. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Cause I think we all just like robotically say like, yeah, we're good. And yeah. it's like, yeah. Are you like, cause mm-hmm. yeah, like you're just, mm-hmm. most of us aren't. <laughs> <laughs> and also sharing our experiences. I think once that person yeah. does break down, maybe there's something that you haven't opened up about or you're not being like that vulnerability, right. Is, is so mm-hmm. difficult by us putting those walls down and not trying to look perfect or that we had the perfect pregnancy or had the perfect you know experience after or during birth maybe that also helps us connect and be more human (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. I think that's like good advice for always like even if your friends aren't pregnant or new moms and they say they're fine like maybe double check we're all living through you know a global pandemic we're probably not fine nobody is fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I really do think that's the biggest piece of advice that, you know, somebody could take home today is is really that double check it, yeah. because that'll allow other people to open up a little bit more, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an important point. Yeah. Um, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing this experience with us. I am positive that there's a mom out there, at least one. <laughs> who's who's listening to this or a dad i know we have dads or listeners as well who who might now know that he can give his partner permission um to feel these feelings to feel all the feels (laughs) um but it's okay and we haven't done anything wrong and i think it's it's really nice to have heard your journey and knowing that you feel connected now and that everything's okay it's mm-hmm. it's a moment doesn't mean that we have to tell somebody that mm-hmm. like it'll be fine one day no it's it's okay to be in that moment yeah mm. yeah and really the only way i got through it was after you know after my husband told me to quit nursing and after i you know sought help and it was like you aren't going to just get through it without like you need that I don't know what the word is, but you need a way to get it out and share it with someone. Um, So really, yeah, find someone to share with. Somebody had asked at what point you had asked for help or support. But now now that I know your story, there wasn't a moment where you asked it it had to come to you. Yeah. And even even when finally. um, So well, after, like I said, when I was like, my son was over a year old. I sought out um, therapy for myself about like food, body image and food issues and stuff. Um, 
and she was kind of taking my history and we were talking about um, my pregnancy and talking about my birth. And I was going through um, mostly just like feeling disconnected from my body. Um, and she was like, and nobody ever diagnosed you with PPD. And that was the first time anybody had said anything. And I had already been, you know, at that point I was like, well, now I don't feel like I have it, but like, that was that time when, you know, she handed me the glasses and I looked back and was like, holy crap. Yeah. No, nobody diagnosed me with that. But that was, you know, I sought counseling about a different issue months later. And that was when I kind of got that lens to look back at my own experience. So there wasn't even a moment during like that time where you had searched or Googled. No. Postpartum depression. Nothing at all. Yeah. No. Mm. You know, maybe that's another take home message I think from today it's we should be googling that a little bit more after there's postpartum depression postpartum anxiety and when the mother has postpartum anxiety or depression there's a higher chance of the father having postpartum depression or anxiety yeah um so I I really think that we it needs to be we, it's like we know that it exists but we don't search for it when we need it <laughs> yeah right so yeah yeah I always right. felt like it was worse than what I was experiencing like I, you know, you hear about postpartum depression or any of those diagnoses like on media and they mm-hmm. usually are talking about, you know, moms who harm their kids or abandon mm-hmm. their kids or, and those are, those are definitely cases, but like, those are the worst, the most extreme yes. end of the spectrum. And there are so many different lived experiences that don't look anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was aware of PPD, but I was like, but I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm not trying to hurt my baby. I'm not going to abandon my baby. Like I, so I just was like, well, that's not, that's not me. Um, But really I think learning what, you know, what a more mild case or what a lot of like the more typical cases are, are not those extreme cases. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you, Ashley. Thank Thank you for taking the time to chat with us and I hope that somebody who's listening now who might feel alone, I hope that you know that you are not alone. And this is the whole goal of this new series here um, at the Kirsten podcast is um, so that if you do feel like you are the only one going through something, you know that you're not. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on the iTunes podcast. Come join the conversation on Instagram at Kiris underscore Neuron. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye.